father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Hello, and welcome to... What's the name of this show again? Uh, what's Lightsaber's Precious? What's Lightsaber's Precious? The Lord of the Rings is Star Wars... What is it? Encyclopodcast. What do we do on it? Waste time on fictional wikis. I'm Joanna. Who am I? You're Ryan. Oh, hi. I'm Ryan. Hi. Welcome to another edition of What's Lightsaber's Precious. How's it going, guys? Well, it's going good for me because today is Hobbit Day! Yay! Why? Why is it Hobbit Day? Well, assuming you're listening to this on September 22nd, which is the day we're recording it, is Bilbo and Frodo's birthday. All right. Their shared birthday. (laughs) So that means that in New Zealand, Mm -hmm. they're having a special event at... Hobbitain in Matamata, which I wish I could go to, but I don't have like $2,000 for plane tickets. Maybe next year. What do they do? Um, You know, I think they have like a special meal. Mm-hmm. They set off fireworks. They have like some, you know, Hobbit-themed festivity. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know I want to go there. Let's look it up. So what do they got? Raise a glass, enjoy a feast, and say happy birthday. I should uh, New Zealand ask, right? Raise a glass, enjoy a feast, and say happy birthday to Frodo and Bilbo Beggins on International Hobbit Day. So start your day with a tour of the fantastical movie set before spending the evening in the special event area created especially for the occasion. Feast on traditional Hobbit fare in the vibrant marketplace where you can pick up freshly made artisan produce including breads, meats and cheeses. So we got breads, meats and cheeses. We know that much. Yeah. And yeah. presumably other things. Yeah, I'm sure it's fun. I'd go. I would definitely go. Well, you got any Star Wars news? Uh, I have an important update on those cryptic Mark Hamill tweets. We've all been on the edge of our seat waiting to find out what the title of the new movie is. So what is it, Ryan? So the next title of episode nine, this is a Sclusi. The purpose of annoying everyone daily with inane tweets is... So there's still one couple more words to go, I think. Um, this is exactly what I said would happen. Star Wars Episode Nine: The purpose of annoying everyone daily with inane tweets is. So yeah, that's our big update. That's our Star Wars news for the week. All right. <laughs> well, we'll update you next week if there's anything to update you on. I will keep you updated. I feel like he's going to add in like multiple clauses, lots of linking words. He- yeah, the title of Episode Nine is going to be a paragraph. It turns out. Yeah, so. an entire paragraph, and somebody's going to come on screen and read that paragraph, and then that's going to be in the movie. We're just getting the introductory sentence here. They have to do three supportive sentences and then a concluding sentence. So we're going to get all that. There might be some semicolons involved. Uh, reports of that are unconfirmed. Yep. Uh, probably some citations in there. Yeah. So that's going to be cool. All right. Well, look forward to that. Yeah. With that out of the way, should we dive into today's topic? Uh, I reckon so. So today, what we did, dear Hobwalks and Ebits, is we watched some fan edits. If you don't know what those are, they're when fans of a thing take a movie or TV show or whatever, and they edit it into their own personal vision. They take the the raw materials and sculpt them into something new and usually condensed and different. And often it's done because the a property that they are a fan of has released a film that they believe is flawed in some fundamental way. Or multiple films, as is the case with our topics today. Yes. So I will be discussing, well, we'll both be discussing because we both watched it. Yeah. A fan edit of The Hobbit trilogy, where they condensed it all into one movie. And then we will discuss... 
a Star Wars prequel edit where they edit all three prequel movies into one movie. We're going to start with The Hobbit, though. We watched a version. You can look this up. It's called There and Back Again. It's about like two and a half hours long. How it was? It was about the length of one Hobbit. It was movie. about the length of one Hobbit movie. Yeah, they got it down to. But they took all three stories and smushed them all together, try to make it maybe as close to the book as they could. As close as they could get. Yeah, there's still some stuff that there was nothing they could really do with it. But they pulled in some stuff from the deleted scenes. They deleted a lot of stuff that wasn't in the book. So basically, the stuff people complained about. So there's some interesting things they did. We like to talk about and maybe some things they. Could have done better. Well, the way I divided up my notes was sort of movie by movie, so this goes in three sections. Okay. So we'll start with the first section of the movie. This is the part that covered the movie that was originally called The The Hobbit, There and Back Again. Nope. The Hobbit, The Unexpected Journey. Shit. The Hobbit, <laughs> The Unexpected Journey. I'm tired. I am very tired. Look, I did yoga with a bunch of middle-aged white women and... You went to a baby's birthday party. And I went to a one-year-old's birthday party. That is exhausting stuff. So she meant the first movie, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Right, and unexpected it was. So one of the first things that we noticed, because this is right at the very beginning, is that Frodo was in it for a grand total of about 0.2 seconds. Yeah, in the original version, he gets to like go to Bilbo's house and be like, Uncle Bilbo, how you doing? And this version, he's just like, he doesn't even talk. He was kind of a framing narrative. Yeah, he's literally just like standing in the background while Bilbo's writing. Yeah. Then Frodo comes out and he's like, hey, uncle, I made you some chai. At least that's what the expression on his face says, but he doesn't actually talk. Yeah. So, you know, never mind that. The first scene with Bilbo and Gandalf is pretty much intact where he shows up, wishes him a good day, and then they have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Or do you mean this is a day on which to be good on? Right. It jumps right into the dwarves showing up. Yes, we don't get, like, them showing up one by one. So the first few show up one by one, but we don't get them all being at the door and then tumbling in comedically. They lost some of the comedy. They lost a lot of the comedy. Um, And how you feel about that depends on how you felt about the comedy to begin with. I think it would help to characterize the dwarves a little bit and show a bunch of, like, goofy tumble balls. Yeah, the dwarves don't get as much characterization here. They're much more interchangeable, much the way they are in the book. I think a lot of people complained that in An Unexpected Journey, they spent like 50 minutes on the dwarves, like, pooping around in Bag End, and the justification for that, my understanding, is that they wanted to try and distinguish the dwarves and give them individual personalities. Right. We don't really get that in this. This edit does not have time for that. This edit does not have time. Um, They cut out most of their song where they're breaking the plates. They do do something pretty clever, though, when they sing the Lonely Mountain song. They keep that in. Uh, during that... I love this, actually. They took all those bits where they showed the fall of Erebor. Oh, yeah. Explain the backstory of Erebor, the Arkenstone, Smaug coming there and destroying right. Dale, the orcs being driven into the mountains, and he never forgave and he never forgot. But all that stuff is interspliced with the Lonely Mountain song, and there's no dialogue or anything. It's just still shots. It tells the story visually... Which is pretty effective and good, and like it was pretty artistically done. Like I liked it. I thought that was like probably one of the best edits they made. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Anytime you can show rather than tell is a maser positive, in yeah. my opinion. But the weirdest part is after that. So you'll remember in the original edit, 
Gandalf talks to Bilbo in front of the fireplace, tries to convince him to come on this journey with them. Bilbo says, I'm sorry, Gandalf, you have the wrong hobbit, goes to bed. While he's sitting in bed, he overhears the song. Yeah. And that's what ultimately convinces him the next morning that he needs to go. In this, we see him in bed hearing the song. Then apparently he comes out again. Gandalf <laughs> yeah. talks to him by the fire. Then he goes back to bed again. And then he wakes up and decides he's going to go on the journey. That's a bit you weird. Know, some people get up in the middle of the night and they do a crossword or... Read the newspaper. But the song is what is supposed to convince him. And yet when in the fireplace scene, he's still thoroughly like not convinced. Although they did cut out the line, I'm sorry, Gandalf, you have the wrong hobbit. So maybe in this edit, he's supposed to have already been convinced in front of the fire. Sure. But by that time that scene happens. I don't know. So first big thing they cut out, Azog the Defiler. Not in this movie at all. Not in this movie at all. There is a part where Balin says... Thorin has more cause than most to hate orcs. And we cut to an orc on the mountainside watching the party, and then we just cut to the next morning, so we don't find out what his cause is to hate orcs. Which I think is fine. Well, he says more cause than most, which makes you wonder, well, why? But then we don't know. Well, it makes him edgy and mysterious, and you don't have this whole, like, John Cena-looking orc (laughs) running around, and you don't have them using the Ringwraith song for no reason when he shows up. That's fair. That is fair. This is 28 minutes in, and we're already at the Trolls, you guys. So that's how fast this thing this is, is moving. This is cooking. This is cooking. Uh, they also cut out Radagast, the Warg attack. Yeah. After the Trolls, they're just kind of suddenly in the passage to Rivendell. Yeah. That's not exactly seamless, but it does cut out a whole it's lot of stuff. kind of how it is in the book, though, right? Yeah. I feel like those chapters are pretty, like, just jumped into the next bit, right? After Gandalf shows up again, like, and then we walk to Rivendell. But because... The book has this, like, very familiar type of narrator that's like, it's like an old man is narrating mm-hmm. the story to you. He's able to explain a little bit, and they, you don't have that here because there's no narrator. And they're in Rivendell for, like, a minute and a half. Really quick. They cut out the entire council scene where they have Saruman there for no reason. Where they have Galadriel there for no reason, although I love her. Um, they cut out the part where the dwarves are kind of sneaking off. So they're just suddenly in the mountains, and then somebody says, we were to wait in the mountains until Gandalf joins us, which, like, okay. I guess Gandalf's like, hey, you guys, I'll catch up. Yeah, they're in the cave in the mountains. They cut out the entire, like, it's a thunder battle bit, which I know people hated. They did not like it, even though that is in the books, y'all. It's like two sentences. I hate to tell you, but the thunder battle was in the books. You don't see a single stone giant in this film. No. Uh, they're in the cave, and then now they're in the goblin town. They fall through the floor, yep. as in the movie. Bilbo is uh, separated, just like in the original cut. Yep. Uh, we don't get any mention of Azog during the dwarf's conversation with the Goblin King, because, again, he's not in this version. Right, and then we're in Riddles of the Dark, and Riddles in the Dark is still, I think I wrote in my notes, it whips ass. It whips ass, y'all. It is still dynamite. It is, I mean, everybody knows it's the best scene in these Hobbit prequels. Yeah, that's entirely there. And it's like a wonderful scene. And Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman are like, acting their butts off. Yes. And I also like, this is not even really related to the edit, but I just think it's so cute how Smeagol is trying to observe like proper social etiquette. Mm -hmm. Like he's like, Baggins first. It's so cute. Like he hasn't had a conversation with anyone in 500 years. Shut up. We have lots of friends. (laughs) Uh, I don't think you did at that time in your life though, right? That was a rough, rough half millennia for you. You should have seen our MySpace. We had all the friends. Even Thomas. Even Thomas? Tom, we called him because he was our friend. All right, I stand corrected. You're right. You and Tom. 
Producer Gollum, sit down. One thing I will say. Okay, so Riddles in the Dark is so good they didn't want to cut it, which I totally get. Right. But it kills the faster momentum. Because this fan edit's been cooking. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it slows way down. And Riddles in the Dark is like easily like a quarter of the footage that they kept in from the first movie. Right. I'm not sure if there's a way to solve that while keeping everything in. I guess you could cut out maybe like a riddle or two, or you could maybe intercut it with the Goblin King stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then it would cut up Riddles in the Dark, which is a perfect scene. It would be a shame. I I can see why they wanted to keep it all in. Yes. But! But! The pacing. Pacing is important in an edit, okay? Yes, it is. So, um, speaking of pacing, one hour in, we're pretty much done with the first movie. Yeah, they're out of the frying pan. They're out of the frying pan, they're into the fire, Azog is not involved in any way, shape, or form, so now we're moving on to the second movie. That's it, yeah. Yeah, that's all we get from the first. So, we get a quick cut between them getting dropped off by the eagles and to them waking up in Bayorn's house. Just real quick, just assume that, you know... So the whole part where Bayorn chases them? Not there. Not, not they there. They kind of rearranged some scenes in this bit, and they don't all line up very well, but like they did they did make an effort to kind of change up the context of some of these shots. They did try. Again, Bayorn's part is like a minute and a half. Yeah. So we see Bear Bjorn, and Gandalf explains, that is our host. So that's a scene, that Bear Bjorn is a scene from later on. Right. That they moved earlier so he could explain that he is a skin changer so that's pretty brief and then they are in Mirkwood yeah now in Mirkwood this is interesting so they're not just cutting stuff they are bringing stuff in from the extended edition and actually some of these were scenes I had not seen because I only have the extended edition of the first Hobbit movie right yeah there's there's some bits and you're like oh I don't remember this like I remember it from the book right which right. I think is why they put it in that's why they put it in it right. does kind of again slow things down a little bit because it's gets there's kind of this long scene in Mirkwood. Yes, which I think is good. I, the Mirkwood part is again, I a very like good part of the, the movie. Mirkwood part. So that's fine. But again, like pacing wise, so one part they put in is part where they have to cross a bridge over the river. Mm-hmm. Another part that they put in is where the dwarves try to shoot this really beautiful white deer, and Bilbo says you shouldn't have done that. Which is again is 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 from the book. It's just never entirely clear why they shouldn't have done that or what this deer signifies. Yeah, I remember or... that. I remember that confusing me as a kid. Like, wait, did I miss something? And like, no, I don't think you did. I don't know what it signified in Tolkien's mind, but I never really figured out what was up with that deer. We then, after those uh, extended edition scenes, we get back to Beaufort finding his tobacco pouch and then realizing that they're going around in circles. I wrote here that I think sometimes the editor is just putting in bits they like. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, that, I think, is a fair criticism of me to make. Yeah. I don't think they're worried too much about pacing. They're, no. They're worried about, like, here's the Hobbit movie that I would like to see with all the bits that I like in it. Right. And all the parts I think are dumb are out. Which is naturally going to vary from person to person. Mm-hmm. So one part they do cut out is a lot of bits from the spider scene. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it a little bit confusing. We all know that there's that part where Bilbo loses his ring and then picks it up after murdering a spider. Yeah. And then picks it up and says, mine. And that's like our hint that this ring is already having an effect on him. He's getting hooked on. He's hooked on rings. But we don't see him drop it in this edit. Yeah. So, like, he just suddenly picks it up and goes, mine. And it's like, yeah, when when did he drop that? Like, they cut out the scene where he gets hit by a spider and all the rings fly out of him like Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) (laughs) And he kind of blinks for a few seconds. You remember that classic part of, of Sonic for Sega Genesis where he picks up one of the rings he just dropped and goes, MINE! <laughs> and he yells at like a robot beetle. Yeah, yeah. And then smushes it. Yeah. 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 I remember cool. that. Yeah, that was good. Just like in Sonic. So this is just like Sonic. Just like Sonic. <laughs> just like Sonic. And it's moving fast like Sonic too at this point. It is moving fast. All right. So, elves show up. There is no Tariel in this 
practically. Um, she's like in view at some point, but she's not named or really acknowledged. Again, they, no girls in my Hobbit movies. I actually don't mind the fact that Peter Jackson puts more female characters in these movies because it is such a sausage fest. But it did kind of bother me that he put a female in just so there could be like a romance subplot. Yeah. That's a little bit goofy. That's- I don't know if that's his choice. I think that might have been WB being like, no chick's gonna see this movie if there ain't no kissing in it. it we is- gotta stick in a romance, Peter. And he's like, actually, there's no romance in the habit. And he's like, you gotta do it, capiche? In, in your mind, is everybody in Hollywood in the mafia circle like 1960? Well, it's me, Warner, and my brother, Warner, were the Warner <laughs> brothers, and your sister, Dot. The explanation for a lot of sister <laughs> Cool Animaniacs reference. Thank you. <laughs> um, one of the things that I've heard is obviously, like, at this point, New Line Cinemas was not doing too well. Yeah. And so a lot of the questionable changes, for example, changing it from two movies to three, can be attributed to them trying to make more money. Um, I'm not sure exactly how true that is, but it seems semi-credible at least. New Line. New Line. Um, so, yeah, so there's no Toriel and Keeley relationship in this edit. That is gone. Yeah. They do keep Thranduil's burned face, which is not in the book, but I always thought was kind of a neat addition. It's a good touch. You know, because he was there during the wars with Morgoth, and mm-hmm. he would have faced off against dragons, and I like this idea that the elves might have these, like, grievous injuries from thousands of years ago that they just keep hidden with their elfin magic. The like, glamour. You know, like, he looks so beautiful that actually he's horribly mangled. And explains why he doesn't want to help a dwarf. Yes, it does explain why he doesn't want to help a dwarf. Yeah, so that's good. There's no barrel battle, so they escape from um they escape from Thranduil's kingdom pretty quickly. There's no barrel battle. They still have the drunk elves. They still have the drunk elves, but no barrel battle. Yeah, they do... no, they're not flipping around. No stunts. No orcs. No bomber or Legolas stunts. No Keeley getting hurt. Yeah, Legolas is barely in this edit. Well, you know, because he's not in the book right, at right, all right. because yeah. he hadn't been invented yet. Mm-hmm. The Keely leg thing is interesting. So we don't see him get hurt. We very briefly see one of the other dwarves looking at his leg after they land the barrels near mm-hmm. Eskaroth. But that's it. It's pretty glossed over. Like, for all we know, he's just like, I hit my shin. Right, yeah. And they're like, oh, oh, oh you'll be okay. You made a pretty fine point of it in the original movie of like, oh, he's hit with a poison arrow. Oh, crap. It's really yes. black. Ooh. Yes. But because that was part of the romance subplot, they just cut it out. Yeah. So there's no uh, Lake Town politics. So yeah, they get the to Lake Town. The master of Lake Town. None of that, like, we have to get in and fake that we're covered in fish and all that, right? Yep, none of that. Um, the dwarves don't have to come in through Bard's toilet. They're just suddenly <laughs> in his house, so I guess they just went through the front door. Again, no comedy dwarf action. I don't know. Stephen Colbert made it in. Yeah, again, this is a part that they probably liked. Yes. They're like, oh, that's so funny. Stephen Colbert's in it. I know that guy. That I know that guy. He lifts off his eye patch and, and he's another eye underneath and he can see. So they cut out all the Lake Town politics, but they did put in another part from the extended edition where the townspeople are discussing this prophecy that the king beneath the mountain will return. Politics out, prophecies in. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. There's that part where the dwarves all go to get weapons from the town armory. Mm-hmm. In the original edit, Keeley falls down the stairs because his leg is all messed up because it's, like, gangrenous. Yeah. In this, we don't know anything about his leg, so he just falls down the stairs with the weapons because I guess he's clumsy. He's a clumsy guy. Whoops! (laughs) So, you know, that happens. We don't get an explanation or even an acknowledgement that some of the dwarves get left behind when they go to the Lonely Mountain. Yeah, they don't even make a note of it. They don't even mention it. Like... Keely's just not there. He's and, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're just not in it from here on out, and we don't really know why. Yeah, <laughs> they're just gone because the dwarves are kind of interchangeable in this. 
they got really creative with the editing once they get to Erebor. They inserted the bit with the pile of dead mummified dwarves, like, right after they get inside Erebor. Mm -hmm. Like, Bilbo and the dwarves go inside, and pile of dead, yeah. Dead dwarves. Pile of dead dwarves. Why do you think they did that? I don't know. I think they wanted to move it along again. They want to cut out the faff. And I think this to show, like... Oh no, like this is where they all died. Ooh, like it kind of connects it to that flashback in the beginning of the movie. I guess that's true. And then I think they cut out the part later where like they fire up like all the metallurgy equipment and Smaug yeah. gets gilded. That and whole it's bit, kind of silly. That stupid bit where Thorin's riding on a surfboard on molten gold. And he's like, later, Bilbo! <laughs> like he just leaves Bilbo behind and goes surfing on gold. It's, t- it's taken out. That's that gone. part's gone. And I, if I recall, the pile of dead dwarves is when they're running away from Smaug. And so because they cut that part out, maybe they couldn't put the pile of dead dwarves in there. So yeah. they had to do it earlier. Anyway, that's like the first thing they see. Smaug part is truly good and scary. Always is. Um, Again, a dynamite scene. A dynamite scene that they really didn't have to do anything right. to. With my boy Benedict Cumberbatch playing the dragon. Doing all the doing motion cap. Bang up job. They cut, yeah, so again, we already talked about how they cut out the action scene where the dwarves guild Smaug. So we go directly from Smaug going... The men of Lake Town, you care about them. To Smaug uh, leaving, and the dwarves never see Smaug. It's just just him and Bilbo. It's just him and Bilbo. And he's and gone. He's like, you care about those guys? They're toast. Bye. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really a very good transition there. To have no, it, that's true. Without that action scene in there. That's true. There's not. Now we're in the third movie. Now we're already in the third movie. Now, this should be noted, pointed out that I think this edit was made before the Battle of Five Armies was out on home video because... It, like, the film stock changes dramatically. It suddenly gets, like, rather crappy. Really bad. I think they use, like, someone who brought a video camera to a movie theater footage or something. They probably like, should have held off. They should have waited just a couple months because it's really noticeable and bad looking. I and, lo- and I think this is a movie that a lot of people also did not see in the theaters. I know a lot of people we've talked to, like, they saw the first two and then kind of got burned by stretching out the story. And I know a lot of people who just did skip the third one. So I saw it. But here's the issue with the third one. The issue with the third one is that the whole Battle of the Five Armies, like, is very much not the point of the end of the book. The point of the end of the book is that Bilbo subverts normal storytelling conventions by betraying his, quote-unquote, like, liege lord, right, for the sake of peace. He gives up this object, this sort of, like, MacGuffin, Mm -hmm. the Arkenstone, To save people's lives, which is like a very, very modern sort of theme in what is otherwise a very traditional story. Yeah. That's the point. The fight isn't the point. The point is what Bilbo does. And then he gets knocked out and he doesn't even see most of the fighting. Right. So it's even more of a subversion of the big hero story where he'd be like on the battlefield, cutting down orcs and stuff. No, no, he's knocked out. Right. He's out of the fight. Right. So the battle, you know, like there's just really no point. But they made a whole movie out of it. So. But in this edit, they did the wise thing and cut probably the most out of it of any of the movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Which means that there's some awkward cuts and the scenes kind of show. Um, for example, Thorne gives the mithril to Bilbo. And then, like, literally the next second, Bilbo is sneaking out to talk to Bard and Thranduil mm-hmm. to try and make a deal with them. Uh, it's not, it doesn't quite work. It's not very smooth. No, Bilbo's kind of just erratic. 
Speaking of things they cut out, they totally cut out Dol Guldur, the yeah. Tomb of the Ringwraiths, Radagast, and Galadriel. All that stuff. All that stuff is gone. They also cut out the giant worms that drill through the mountain. I love those worms. I mean, it's such a goofy part of the movie. Well, but... it's a thing that I always forget really exists in the Tolkien Legendarium. Like, those are a real thing. Yeah, yeah. They exist. I might actually try to do something on them for Spooky October. Okay, okay. But yeah, no worms in this one. They're out. Bolg is in it, but extremely briefly. They don't give any context for who he is, and they, they don't say that he's Azog's son, since Azog is omitted from this edit. Yeah, I kind of wonder why he's even in it. I don't really remember. There's also a part they left in, which is really weird, where... And this is this was in the original edit, so I can't even really call shenanigans on whoever did the fan edit, but where it makes it clear that Gandalf knows Legolas. And why that's weird is Gandalf didn't bother to mention to Legolas that he was sending dwarves through Mirkwood, apparently. Yeah, he probably should have brought that up, Like, right? that whole capturing bit could have been avoided if Gandalf was just like, Yo, Legolas! Just so you know. Yep. Moth for you, sir. Thank you. Maybe... Oh, it's me, Gandalf. I'm gonna send some dwarves through. Just don't kill him enough and okay, bye. That's all I needed to do. That's all I needed to do. I knew that Gandalf always sends moths like these. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess presumably he knew Legolas at that point in time in the books, in canon. Presumably. Another moth for you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Hey, you up? That's it. Another moth for you, sir. Send nudes! <laughs> Gandalf! Gandalf! Always trolling me with these moths! <laughs> Legolas, I need to meet you immediately in Saganese! I'll send a moth back. Uh, suck, on, suck on what? <laughs> Four weeks later. Yeah. Suck on these nuts! Oh, Gandalf! Gandalf, not again! <laughs> so. <laughs> anyway. So, Feely dies in like two seconds. Yep. And there's no bit where Toriel's like, Feely, no! My true love. And what's great is they actually cut it after Bilbo passes out, just like in the, in the book. book. The rest is just like a montage. The rest is just a quick montage. But Bilbo's not in it, and it's supposed to be his story, so really, this makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This makes perfect sense. There's no final battle between Thorin and Azog, and there's no Legolas stunts. Nope, none of that. And they also cut out most of the Lake Town Refugee stuff, and in a movie, basically. Yeah. I mean, we- he gets knocked out. Uh, they have the I Thorin, think they, they have, do like, have him, the scene where Thorne dies. Yep, they have that bit. They have that bit, and then it's like him going home with, with Gandalf. Yep. And that's it. Frame narrative, I think they bring back Frodo at the end. Do they? No, maybe they don't. I, I don't know. think they it's even do. While. And they don't keep in one of my favorite pointless bits, which is where he goes back and they're having the auction of his house, and Lobelia Sackville Baggins is there, and he's like, I'm still alive, and Lobelia Sackville Baggins goes, Ugh. She makes like such a like a great bitch face. It, it's really good. It's really good. High point of Battle of Five Armies. High point of Battle of Five Armies is Lobelia's face, for sure. But it's not in there. And so that's the fan edit, right? So, So final thoughts? I would recommend it if they did a re-edit of it where they made the Battle of Five Armies footage not look like garbage. Yes, that would be advisable. And they worked on the pacing. I think they just need like another pass. Like they watched the whole movie through. Not just think about which scenes you like, but think about how these scenes link together, how they tie together, how they go from one scene to the next, how they relate to later scenes in the story. I, yeah, I'd also like to see some more creative stuff like they did with the montage mm-hmm. towards the beginning where they told the story of what happened to Erebor in a series of images with that dwarf song over it. Yeah, and no dialogue. Like, that was cool. I would like to see more of that, for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. So what would you give it out of 10? Out of 10 what's? So out of 10 dwarves. 
there are twin dwarves on this adventure. There's like thirteen. No, there's thirteen. <laughs> okay, what would you give it out of thirteen dwarves then? Uh, I would give it. I appreciate the effort, and I like the idea of cutting it down into one movie. But I think like they just need to be better about transitions and stuff. So I would give it eight dwarves out of thirteen. Eight dwarves out of thirteen. That's not I... that's that's not bad. It's better than. It's more than half. More than half, yeah. Yeah, I would probably give it nine dwarves out of 13. The extra dwarf is just because I really like that scene at the beginning with the montage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that pushes it over the edge. I, yeah. So, again, this is just one fan edit. I don't know if you know about the fan edit community. There are buttloads of these. Everybody makes one. And to find out if they're any good or not, you have to sit through two and a half hours. So we just or have to message them. boards, which is what we did for this next one. Yeah. So before we switch over, if you were editing this, what would you change about it? I think I would make Merkwood shorter. Yeah. You know, I understand they wanted to put some stuff in that was from the book. Yeah. But they put some stuff in, like, the deer thing that, like, does not really move the plot forward at all. And it's kind of mystifying in the book to begin with. You have to do something. You have to do something with the Gollum scene. I don't know what, though, because it's such a dynamite scene. I don't want to change or edit anything. But it really slows down that part of the movie. Yeah. I think the best solution maybe would be to intercut it with the Goblin stuff. But that might also just kill that scene, too. I don't know. It's so riveting. Right. Just maybe split it up by riddles or something. Or cut a couple of the riddles out, maybe. You don't want to, though, because Andy Serkis is... Andy Serkis is killing it in right, that part. Right, right, right. And so is Martin Freeman. Like, it's just a really great scene. I think it's one of the first scenes they ever filmed for and, The and, Hobbit. And when you watch An Unexpected Journey, it doesn't feel that long because all the other scenes are so really long. Really long. Yes. Especially the part in Bag End. You're like, well, compared to that. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a normal part of the movie. Yeah. So. But I don't know what you would do about that, but it didn't quite, it, it didn't quite work with the pacing. Yeah. But good effort. Good effort. Another oft-maligned prequel trilogy perhaps the first off maligned prequel trilogy is the star wars prequel trilogy uh phantom menace attack of the clones revenge of the sith and we watched a version edited down into one movie that's actually a fan edit of two different fan edits so two people made fan edits and then this person took those two and and did a further fan edit of those two fan edits like like a like a photocopy of a photocopy we're not getting like the full story here but it's uh two versions one's called a turn to the dark side Mm -hmm. and uh, a Last Hope. Is the other one. And so they combine together into A Last Turn to the Dark Side. And this is available on YouTube. There's a version that looks like it's four hours long. It's just because they accidentally stuck in like the first chunk of the movie a second time after the movie ends. It's really only about two hours and 20, 30 minutes. You should explain how this is related to Topher Grace. Oh, yeah. So you maybe heard a few years ago, Topher Grace. Yes, the guy from that 70s show. Yes, the guy who played Venom in Spider-Man 3. Uh, I don't know what else he's in. But he made kind of this legendary Star Wars prequel edit that was 85 minutes. All three movies crammed into 85 minutes. And he only had one screen of it at his house for a bunch of Hollywood types. And they got all this buzz online of, like, telling how great it was and, like, spreading out, you know, like, kind of giving details of what he cut and, like, how he edited it together. And he's vowed to never release it. Because, obviously, if you do that in Hollywood... <laughs> you're going to get sued. You're going to get sued. You're going to get blacklisted. You know, he might want to be in a Star Wars movie someday. He also might think it's kind of mean to George Lucas. Yeah. But since then, everyone's been trying to chase that Topher Gold and trying to get that sweet edit that he made and make their own version of it. And so this version of it takes notes from Topher Grace, somehow takes 85 minutes, makes it into two and a half hours, but... They couldn't have followed his notes that closely then. No, I feel like it's another case of the Hobbit fan edit where they just put in bits they liked. But but yeah, let's let's kind of go through it. Well, the first thing you'll notice is that they basically cut out all of the first movie. Episode one gets one scene, and the scene is 
them fighting Darth Maul. And they even recontextualize that in the opening crawl, making it so that Darth Maul is the one in charge of the Trade Federation blockade. He, he's leading the shipping blockade. That's that's what they say in the opening crawl. And they're not fighting on Naboo, they're fighting on the droid battleship. Right. That Anakin blows up in the movie. So which I think is interesting. Like I really like the idea of recontextualizing scenes, changing the story is, you know, again, if you're making a fan of it, I feel like you don't need to be so set in stone with the story, especially if it's a thing not based on a book. Like, The Hobbit, I understand. They want to kind of make it close to the book. Right. But with Star Wars, like, there have all these scenes. You can very easily recontextualize them with clever editing. Yes, but here's the other thing, though. Because Star Wars fan, I mean, Tolkien fans are like this, too, and God knows Harry Potter fans are. Star Wars fans want, like, slavish devotion to every element of source material. Right. Like, they are among... And I know we have some of them listening. If you are listening to this, I'm probably not talking about you, okay? This is yeah. like a small subset of Star Wars fans are like the most butthurt prone <laughs> yeah. group of people I mean, you've that, ever met in your life. You're being very kind, but yes, some of them are very butthurt prone. Yes. So uh, by changing anything too substantially, you risk just a wave, a butt wave of hurt. But this is just a fan edit, so, you know, I don't think they're getting too much heat. Also in the crawl, it mentions that it's Palpatine who sends Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon to fight Darth Maul. Right. Which is interesting. Who sent them originally? It was the Jedi Council just going to investigate. Oh, yeah. Why do you think they made it Palpatine? Just to kind of give him a... a Introduction? A, like, who he is? Because he doesn't show up until We'll get to this. He doesn't show up until about, like, an actual scene. He doesn't show up until, like, maybe half an hour, an hour into the movie. So... Yeah. They don't really give him a ton of play, but just by name, they mention Maybe him. Maybe that's why they have to mention him, because also, he's going to show up later. Also, Count Dooku's mentioned right from the start, too. Right. Because these the are crawl. characters that are going to show up later, and because they're cutting out some of the establishing stuff yeah. from the first movie, you need to at least have heard the name, right? right? So, as you all know, Darth Maul is cut in half, and also Qui-Gon dies yep. in this battle scene. And right before Qui-Gon dies, he says, Anakin will bring balance. Yeah. And then we get... Ten years later. Ten years later. So that's all we needed was apparently him saying, Anakin will bring balance. Yeah. And that's all you get at the chosen one thing until the end of the movie. which right. is which And we is don't weird. see, we never see Anakin as a kid. We never see. No, no, no. We don't even know who he is at this point if we're, if you're going in without having seen the original right. movies. So it might be kind of confusing. Um, yeah. We cut right to Hayden, Christensen, Anakin. Yes. And Obi-Wan going up to meet Padme. And she knows him and she calls him Annie. And we're like, if you had not seen any Star Wars prequels, you'd be like, who's this lady? Who's, who's this? Is this, this the Anakin they were talking about? His name is Annie. That's that's a different guy, right? Like, Well, she <laughs> does say... Yeah, right. Well, she does say, you'll always be that boy I knew on Tatooine, which establishes that they have some history. We don't see them when they're younger, but I would argue, though... That the first movie, even though it spent so much time on them, it, it didn't actually do that great of a job at deepening their relationship. Like, the relationship feels shallow regardless. Well, it kind of obfuscates their age difference. Yes, it does. It's kind of just implied, like, they were kids on Tatooine together or something. Right, because what's their age difference? Like, four or five years? It's like, yeah. She, he was nine, she was 14 when they first met. So, so five years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it does sort of obfuscate that, although I would argue that that gets undone a little bit later, but we'll get yeah. to that in a minute. They also cut out the first assassination attempt on Padme, where they blow up the, her ship. That's right! They, I forgot about that. Going, they mentioned the assassination attempt. They cut right into the second assassination attempt with those venomous worms. We do get a scene with Palpatine, I should mention. Uh, between here um he's not named and it's so brief it's very brief he talks to anakin in his office and 
He's like, you're going places, son. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, yeah, we don't know this is Palpatine, but if you... He's like, yeah, that old man really likes this Annie guy. Yeah. Um, the whole bit with them chasing Zam Wessel, the bounty hunter, through the streets is pretty much the same. Yeah, they leave that in. I have such mixed feelings about this scene, but for narrative cohesion, you do have to keep it. Yeah. They had to keep it in because of Zam Wessel's awesome speeder sounds. <laughs> That's um, Paul Stanley, and and also the sound her. Yeah, her she actually hit beats. the voice acting for Zam Wessel Speeder, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just Paul Stanley going. Wah! So she crash lands like in there. They cut out the whole bit with Sleaze Bagano. Yes, no Sleaze Bagano. Uh, so basically, we get the speeder bike part, and then another scene of Palpatine where it looks like he's wearing graduation robe. Yep, he's got, <laughs> he's got some, some. It looks like he graduated magna cum laude. Congratulations, <laughs> yes, by the way. Congratulations, Palpatine. And then we cut immediately to Anakin complaining to Padme about Obi Wan. Now, here's the thing. So by cutting out all the episode one thing, theoretically they erase the age difference between them, but not really because Anakin comes across as so much younger than Padme in this scene. Maturity-wise, yeah. Maturity-wise. She comes across as, like, well older than her 20, 21 years, whatever she's supposed to be. She's kind of comforting. That must be so frustrating for you. Like, it's the kind of thing, like, your mom would say or, like, right. maybe, I don't know, like, some a teacher, an older mentor or something. Like, <laughs> she's being so mature and he's like, Obi-Wan doesn't listen. He holds me back. He won't let me do what I want to do. Well, they're, they're teens and, you know, boys develop slower than girls. They do, but then it also begs the question... Why would she be into this guy? He's like her little, her whiny little brother or something. To be fair, this is like the only scene of Anakin whining they keep in the movie. Yeah, they cut out the rest, which was a smart They just kind of kept that in, I think, to show his kind of growing resentment for the Jedi. Uh, but this is 16 minutes in, and they're already on Naboo. Yeah, they go to Naboo. Why do they go to Naboo again? To keep Padme safe from assassins. That's right, because they're trying to assassinate her. And then we get a deleted scene. Yeah, I'd seen this before, and I was happy to see it re-put in here, because it's a really, really good scene that really personalizes their characters, I think. It does. So this is them going to Padme's family's house and meeting her mother and father and her younger sisters. And her older sister, too. Can you imagine being Padme Amidala's older sister? Like, how much that must stick in your craw? She's like the overachiever, for sure. She's like, she became a queen, she became a senator at like 20. But I do love her older sister, her name Sola Amidala, Mm -hmm. and she's got some really fun bits. So they have dinner at the Amidala household, and Sola's like... This is the first time Pam has ever brought a boyfriend home. Like, basically just, like, sniping at her sister yes. across the table. It's super good. She's like, he's not my boyfriend! boyfriend. Sola! Good! Shut up! It's really cute. And, like, you know, the, her little sisters are having fun playing with R2-D2 and stuff. Yeah, and, like, and her parents are all worried about her, yeah. like you would be. And so, this kind of provides more of a build-up to her relationship with Anakin, because we get to see them spend a little bit more time with each other. Just like normal time. Just like normal teens. Um, it also makes her seem a little younger. Yeah, because she's, kind of, she's kind of making doe eyes at Anakin out the window. And, and like, like, her mom's know, like, mm, her okay. Her mom's, you know, like, like, scolding her and yeah. stuff. And sisters are teasing her. And so I think that's good because it doesn't make her seem like she's like 30 and Anakin's like 12. We cut back to Obi-Wan and he's not on Camino. There's no scene with Dex's dying. No Camino and Saber dot. Nope. We're just right on Genosis. For those who don't know, the part on Camino, right, is where Obi-Wan goes to investigate, like, where this dart came from, and he goes to this planet, and he finds these long-necked aliens, and the long-necked aliens are like, your clone army's ready, and he's like, cool, 
Cool. Of course, our clone army that, that we ordered. That would be yes. ordered. The clone army that we wanted for an army of clones. Yeah, totally. And he calls up Yoda, and he's and he's like, yeah, "We got the clones already, Master Yoda." And he's like, "Clones order? We did not. Mm, this quite unusual. Someone stole Yoda's credit card. They did." <laughs> But ultimately, oh, Yoda's fine with it too. Oh, he's like, he's oh. like, dope. <laughs> that part's gone. We don't really find out where the clones come from. Like, that's not really clear. The clones aren't even mentioned. They don't get any mention in this movie. Yeah, I don't even think they call. No, they do call them clones at least once. But Obi Wan towards the end says, "My clones turned against me." Okay, yeah, he, they're right. He does do that. That's it, though. So by do, and so he goes to Genosis, um, which means you don't get the fight with Jango Fett. You don't get the cool space bombs. Nope. They make the cool noise. He's just looking for Jango, I guess. He's tracking the bounty hunter, but we don't actually see him. And it's very confusing, but in fairness, in the original edits of the movies, it is also very confusing. Yes. Because we go back to Anakin and Padme, and there's no frolicking in the fields. Although they did keep, I don't like sand. I don't like sand. Kept <laughs> That made the cut. Somehow that made the cut. They have to have a smooch. That's the, that's the thing where they have to they have to have the smooch. They do. There's still like, so yeah. We can talk about it later, that kiss we should never have done or whatever. Well, here's the weird thing. Okay, so there's the I don't like sand scene. And as you may or may not know, that scene ends with Anakin and Padme having like an illicit smooch. And then Padme saying, no, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. We can't fall in love. And then we get a quick scene of Obi-Wan on Genosis, and that's when we see, like, the bug looking down at him from the mountain. Yeah. Then we cut back to the fireplace scene with Anakin and Padme, where she's in that very sexy black dress, and they're talking about how they can't be together, and Anakin says, I'm still haunted by that kiss. The problem is, that kiss was, like, 20 seconds ago. <laughs> it was very recent, <laughs> You've yeah. You've been haunted that long, have you? I mean, it's a short like, haunting, but it's still a haunting. It's, well, it seems a little overdramatic to be like, I'm haunted, I can't stop thinking about it for, like, the entire 20 seconds since it happened. You gave me love ghost pad me yeah uh, i i thought yeah i was a little truncated it's a little trunk though to be fair i feel like they're doing the best they can there's there's very little that can make this relationship credible you can only, you can only polish a turd so much yes yeah you get dooku interrogating obi-wan and oh so we're supposed to um infer that that bug thing that was looking down from the mountain captured obi-wan and took him to dooku yes that's like kind of a jump but i think that's what we're supposed to i think it makes sense so like yeah he seems like he's surrounded by bugs and you know he's now all of a sudden he's in like these hover chamber but i you know like i thought it was nice dooku mentioning qui-gon again yeah. Because you just saw him die half an hour ago. But again, they don't ever call him Qui-Gon in that scene with Darth Maul. And so if you hadn't seen episode one, you'd be like, who? Was well, they call him on the opening crawl. But you have to like, really to pay close attention, you know? Yeah. Again, one of the criteria we used when we were evaluating both the fan edit of The Hobbit and the fan edit of the Star Wars prequels was, would this make sense to somebody who was watching this movie having not seen the original edits? I yeah. think the answer is probably no. Probably not. Again, we are 30 minutes in and they're already like... Halfway through episode two. Yes. So they're cutting a lot They are stuff, jetting on through this. Which is good. But, you know, it runs into some issues. We cut to Anakin having a nightmare about his mom. Now, because all of the first movie pretty much was cut out, we don't really have any context for him and his mom, where they came from, what their relationship is like. We haven't seen her. Right. We don't know what her situation is. We're not aware of the fact that he just left her in slavery for like eight years, which is something that has always really bothered me about these movies. And then Yoda sent a Jedi youngling to teach C-3PO stories. To tell bedroom, <laughs> bedtime stories to C-3PO, but not to free Anakin's uh, mom. If you, okay. If you listen to C-3PO, that's from the entirely canon Yoda's activity center PC game for yeah, children. Yeah. So. The most canon of all canon sources. Yes. And so this whole dream about his mom and then his quest to save her seems like extremely sudden the pacing is really weird at this point mm -hmm. but i feel like it kind of gets back on track when he and padme get to lars farm on tatooine you get some context from klee lars some context from him it's our first time of have seen c3po 30 mm -hmm. minutes into the movie i think the goal of this edit 
on the whole. I think the goal is to make it focused on Anakin's story. Yeah. They cut out all the stuff that doesn't really involve him that much, or is not tied into like the rising threat of Palpatine, which is makes it more focused. But you also don't get any of the droids doing stuff. Anakin goes ahead and kills all the Sand People, saves his mom. Uh huh. I thought I wrote down. I think that part with Shmi dying is like legitimately really sad. I think it's a good scene. I feel like the actress does a good job. And they they cut out the whole bit with Anakin telling that Padme killed the women and children like animals. Oh yeah, that part's gone. He, he brings her body back. They have their funeral. R2's like, yo, Obi-Wan's trying to get a hold of you guys. He's trying to, he's on the horn. Yeah. He's calling, he, he, he's calling me, beat me if you want to reach me. That's what he said. <laughs> he did. He's he a big fan of Kim Possible. <laughs> yeah. We get our first shot of Jar Jar at 40 minutes in. He does not talk. It's and from, nobody references him or even looks at him, which is as it should be. He is from behind and that is it. <laughs> Jar Jar from behind. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, okay day. Um, <laughs> go home. We get to Genosis. Okay, so we should we should just slow down in case people haven't seen it in a little while. Yeah. So he sees Obi-Wan's communication. So Anakin and Padme go there yeah. to help out Obi-Wan. They are chased by those bug people. The Genosis, yeah. Yes, into like a droid-making factory. Right. And there's a it's kind of this cartoonish sequence where they're rolling around, dodging CGI pistons and stuff. And I was surprised how much of that stayed in. They did cut out the bits with C-3PO and R2-D2 in the same droid factory where he gets his head welded onto a battle droid. And then there's a comedic and, scene where he's all like, you Jedi pigs. And there's no R2-D2 jetpack action. No, no, no. That's all gone. Which yeah. is a good choice. The factory scene, I'm not entirely sure why it's needed. I guess maybe they thought for pacing or it was like a little bit weird if it went directly from them landing on Genosis to them like being captured in a battle arena. They have to explain why they're captured. And I so guess. They get cornered by droids at the end. You get Django talking finally. We never get Django's name or who he is. We don't, we don't get Boba. Boba is technically there, but... We, we don't even know this is the bounty hunter that shot a dart. No, we don't know. But we, we don't know. That's kind of left It's mysterious. implied, but again... Like, you would not catch it, though, if you had not seen no, the original definitely not. at all. There's the whole part in the battle arena where they are going to be killed by fighting monsters in yeah. a coliseum. Sp- space tiger, space rhino, space bug. And- yes. Before they go out, Padme, you know, gives her thing about how she truly, deeply loves Anakin. Basically this- just because they're about to die, though. Basically because <laughs> they're about to die. Exactly. This is like, oh, what do you call it? That thing where you get, like, aroused when you think you're going to die. I think they call it that thing you get when you're aroused and you're going to die. Okay, well, that's pretty much I think what it's a scientific is. term, Joanna. Um, it still is, like, totally not credible that she would be in love with him. Although, because they cut out the I killed the women and children part, at least that's a little better. So Otherwise, knows? though, this arena seems pretty much uncut. Mace and the Jedi show up and um, to, to bust things up with Count Dooku. Yeah, Duke. and the Jedi are fighting off, and then they're getting outnumbered by droids. And then all of a sudden, pew, 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 who are these guys in white suits? They're coming out of the sky! Clones are here! Yeah, they come out of nowhere because Camino was cut so they weren't established. So, like, <laughs> I wrote, are they gonna explain the clones? No, they don't. The answer is no, they no, don't. They don't. They don't. I also wrote down so many lasers. It's a laser. It's like a freaking raven. It is. I mean, and they're on a desert planet. There could very well be a sandstorm going on. Right? And then we get Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting Count Dooku. Anakin, we do see Anakin's hand get cut off. We do see the Yoda fight, which is a very silly fight. Why did we say we think they left that in? Because later in episode three, he uses his lightsaber to kill the clones who are trying to kill him. So we have to have it established that, that he has a lightsaber. He, can, he has a lightsaber and he can use it. Yeah. And otherwise it would be like, whoa, what was that move? And they still keep in some of the Sidious fight. Not to spoil parts of episode three that are in this edit, but yeah, they still have some parts of episode right. that fight. So they need three. to establish that Yoda can fight, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, so after this fight, 
they cut to three years later. We are an hour into it. Yep. Episodes one and two are covered. Episode three doesn't get quite as many cuts. It does not. It's probably the more cohesive of all the trilogy movies, but as far as like telling a story. Would you say that it's probably the strongest of the three trilogy movies? You think one. You love one. Phantom Menace is my favorite because it feels the most like a Star Wars movie, but it is all over the place. Yes. Whereas episode three is pretty focused on what it's doing. In my opinion, I wouldn't call it a good movie, but it's probably the best of the, in my opinion, of the three prequels. Yeah, we probably need to cover that much in this one. So it's kind of a reverse of uh, There and Back Again, where the third movie got all the cuts. In this one, the third movie gets, like, not that many. It does not. They did cut out General Grievous. General Grievous is not in it at all. They mentioned him by name. Which is confusing, but we'll get to that in a moment. We never see him, though, which is good, because he's kind of a worthless character. He doesn't really add much. His... I love um, his design. Design is very cool, but yeah, he doesn't really add anything. I love him coughing and running away from everything. But at the, at the end of the day, he's just kind of an action figure. Like he's not really there to yeah. do anything for the story. Yeah. So the the part where uh, Emperor Palpatine feigns that he has been captured by Count Dooku and yeah. has Obi Wan and Anakin come rescue him. Grievous is not in that part. So we go straight to the throne room. Yeah, they, they, they land in the capital ship and they find the throne room almost immediately. Well, and we don't get them crashing the starship into Coruscant. Yeah. And I feel like Palpatine's only really had like two scenes so far in this movie, besides being mentioned in The Crawl. I mean, he shows up every now and again to be like, good job, Anakin! Yeah. Good boy, Anakin! He's like Anakin's hype man. He's not really established that well. Not really. Um, which is okay, because it's more Anakin's story than his story. But still, I think Aaron McDermott does a really good job in the prequel movie. We still see Anakin arriving back after this mission, um, meeting Padme in the shadows, mm-hmm. saying, you know, like, I don't care if they know we're married. We didn't see them get married, but I think that's fine. Yeah. It's fine that we can just say, oh, it happened. Off. Although I really love Padme's wedding dress, like, a lot. So I'm kind of sad that that's not in it. Yeah. Um, is he having the rings? Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. That's cute, right? <laughs> I think it's cute. But anyway. Obi-Wan goes to the planet Utapu, because apparently General Grievous is there, and by defeating him, they'll end the war. Yes, there is a line, at last we'll be able to capture that monster and end this war. But they don't say why capturing Grievous would end the war, or even who Grievous is, so this is really weird and confusing. Oh yeah, and before that, we get get the first mention of the Chosen One idea. Yes, that's also mentioned, kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, Mace Windu says it to to Obi-Wan, about like, isn't Anakin the Chosen One? So two things that kind of come out of nowhere, the Chosen One and General Grievous being a thing that can end the war. Another dynamite scene they decided to keep entirely in is the opera scene where- The Chinese myth dragons. They're not Chinese. They are Chinese myth dragons. They're like- Space worms or something. I'm pretty sure they're Chinese Mithra. I think they're like fish or eels or something. They They're are... swimming around in the big orb while Anakin and Palpatine talks. It doesn't matter what the heck they are. They are myth dragons of the Chinese people. There's no Chinese people in Star Wars. There's except not. for Donnie Yen. The entire scene remains, which is a good choice, because it's probably the best scene in any of the it's prequel movies. Excellent. I enjoy it. Then we go back to Obi-Wan and he's discussing plans with a bunch of identical guys. <laughs> Again, since the clones haven't been established, no, no, no. <laughs> why do all these guys look the same? What are these identical guys? Identical dudes. Is, is Obi Wan's entire fleet like a bunch of like? Is there like octuplets or something? Like, yeah, like squawk lizards also in it. Yeah, the cut right to the lizard chasers. No Grievous's wheel bike because Grievous isn't in this movie. Right. Um, he's just running through the through the uh, base and stuff, killing battle droids and the squawky lizard. Yes. Oh, one thing I want to say before we move on. They do insert a scene of Anakin visiting Emperor Palpatine in, like, his office. A few things. First of all, I got to see the urns that Darth Plagueis is in. Yeah, we That we talked about, about last time. How big was that guy? Because it's t- 
two like six foot urns. I think that he's how large was he? Well, the the moon people are very tall. They're like almost seven feet tall. But when you like burn a body down to ashes, it's like a few cups full. Like maybe, maybe he like maybe like set his apartment on fire, put all of his stuff in there. Like. And you said that those were traditional Sith urns. So like, do Sith always use like comically large urns for bodies, or was this guy just really big? Hey man, they're just living large and also dying large. Also dying large. Are we sure he got burned? Are we sure he didn't just mummify the body, split it into two pieces, and then put it inside vases? That seems more Palpatine to me. That seems super Palpatine. Speaking of what seems super Palpatine. Does his office look like the office of a good guy? It's black, red, and chrome. It's yes, like, it's black, red, and chrome, which is basically like, I am a fascist colors. I'm wearing black and red as we speak. I know that's not specific to this edit, but I just really wanted to point it out, because, like, come on. Yeah. The entire arrest of Palpatine's scene is pretty much unchanged, where the Mace Windu and the Jedi go to, to arrest him, and they're wiped out one by one until Mace Windu has him cornered. That whole bit's un- unchanged, pretty much. You get the whole unlimited power! Which must have been a lot of fun. It's great fun. So I feel like a lot of, from here on out, like, most of it is the same. Most of it's the same. We do get a few things that were questionable, like, Bail Organa is kind of a major guy in the last bit of this movie, but they never introduced him earlier in the movie. <laughs> we don't know who he is. Right, he's just this guy kind of rushing around. They and keep like, showing him, and it's like, who is he? Yeah, he goes to the Jedi Temple, and we're like, why is, who's this guy? Why is he going there? Why are you talking to Yoda? Who's this dude? Yeah, the whole bit of him killing the younglings is in there, marching down the temple. At least, and I was telling Joanna, like, you reminded me when you watched the prequels, or maybe not good movies at parts, but they say they some really good visuals. There's some really good, like, scenes. And, so like, Anakin marching in with all the, you know, hundreds of stormtroopers is pretty cool. Yeah, the Order 66 bit, I is think it, pretty cool. is really good. Obi-Wan and Anakin's fight is surprisingly long. I thought they would cut some bits out. They, right. They kept in the part where they, I call it ribbon dancing, is where they're like swinging their lightsabers around. And not, not hitting anything! Yeah, and then they like, yeah. I remember laughing in the theater, like the first time we saw this, when that part happened, because it's like and they don't hit yeah, anything. they don't. They're just swinging them around for no reason. Ribbon dancing, right? Yeah. And I, we were talk, Joanna and I were talking to this part because, again, this part, this fight stretches out no matter what version you're watching. Yes. Like, they go over a lava waterfall. Then they're on hover lava things. They cut some stuff out. You don't get the conversation where it's like, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. You don't get any of that stuff. Not necessary. You still get Padme being choked. You still get, like, we were talking too. like, we like the very beginning where they recontextualize the Darth Maul fight. That yes, was cool. That was cool. The rest of this movie is pretty much straight how it goes in the movies. They don't do anything as creative as they did with the montage in right. the Hobbit edit. And I was thinking during this lightsaber fight, it's very long. You could very easily chop it up with maybe some flashbacks. They talk, like, there's all these stuff with, with Obi-Wan being like, you're like a brother to me! And you don't really get any of that. We're repeatedly told that, but they don't have much chemistry. So if you added in some scenes of them together when Anakin was younger or something... Yeah, some episode two bits of them laughing, or like, when Anakin's a little boy and they meet for the first time. Yeah. Like some of that stuff would really make it more emotionally resonant, and maybe also tie it together as a singular movie. Because again, this is an edit trying to take three movies and make them into one movie. What if they did this? What if, like, before, you know, he ends up choking Padme or whatever. Yeah. What if they had a flashback to him first meeting her being like, are you an angel? That scene sucks. Yeah. What they should have done, which is going to come back later, they should have had the scene where he makes the locket for her, like the little pendant for her. Because they show that when she's in the coffin on yeah. the boo. Yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but so I was kind of hoping they could do some stuff like that or maybe just, you know, to chop up the monotony and maybe like change the story around a little bit. Because again, this stuff does not need to be how it is. It does not need to be so rigid, you know, like there's there's a lot of wiggle room in these Star Wars movies where you could rearrange scenes and move stuff around. But again, butthurt. Butthurt. 
Do so, rearrange things at the very end in kind they, of a weird way. It's kind of a weird way. Kind of a cool way, but kind of a weird way. I know why they did it. I didn't agree entirely with how they did it. Why don't you it. explain? In the original movie, the, the bit where Padme's giving birth, she's on a stretcher. It was intercut with Anakin becoming Vader. Right, and he is also laid out, like, so it, in a medical situation. It's called visual poetry. It rhymes. Okay? But, but, but I, like, we make fun of that line, but in this case, yes. Like, that does actually make sense. And it's a cool juxtaposition. Yes. Like, why they have those two. Like, that is, like, proper filmmaking. But instead, they, they, they cut, yeah, they cut with Padme on the on the stretcher giving birth to, like, the droids picking up Anakin on the, on the lava planet. Right. And what's weird about this... Is the part with Anakin getting operated on and like becoming Darth Vader and stuff, that is all interspersed with like Obi-Wan delivering Luke and Leia to like their families. Yeah. So it makes it seem, because we don't know how much longer that is. Right, right. Like from when the babies were born. So it makes it seem like they kept Anakin like limbless and burned <laughs> for like weeks before they did anything about it. To be fair, this is kind of a Palpatine move. It is sort of a Palpatine move. But what it does is the last thing we see is them putting that helmet on and him going, <sighs> And then cut to credits. Which is cool. That is cool. I think it's a very cool last shot. I don't get... None of that. No. Which is, I think is a cool choice. I think... I don't think they really needed them. Like, they already explained on the ship... I'll take the boy to his... I'll keep an eye on him on Tatooine. And, And Bail Organa being like, I'll take the girl my wife and I always wanted to adopt. I think you don't need to show that. I think you can just have... You know. I think they, you know what I think? I think that they liked the shot of Owen and Baru looking at the two sons because that kind of parallels Luke. Parallels yeah. Luke. Like, that's probably why. I don't, I think you could just intercut Padma giving birth, kind of Luke, Leia, with Darth Vader becoming Darth Vader and end it on that breathing. I think you could easily do that. You and probably could. You probably I think it's, could. It's, we've all seen the original trilogy. We all know where they go. Yeah. Like, we don't need that. A last turn to the dark side. What's your? What are your final thoughts? There are definitely a lot of things I like. Um, I like that they cut out Jar Jar. I like that they cut out like pretty much all the first movie because it doesn't add that much. Mm-hmm. I like that they cut out Grievous because again he doesn't add that much. Although I like his design. Yeah. I like that they put in the scene of Padme um, and Anakin visiting her family. Yeah, that was good. I think that was good. All right, what do you want to rank it out of? What's our scale? Out of eight identical boys. I would rate it probably. Like, five out of eight identical boys. Okay. I think they did a lot of good stuff with it, but I just think, like, the original edits of the prequels are already so confusing. You're making it even more confusing when you when you condense it down like this, which is kind of unavoidable, so I don't want to, like, grade them too low. Yeah, I was, I was going to I was gonna ask you, do you think it improves on the prequel movies? Do you think it makes them a better story? <sighs> yes, but also very confusing. If you are able to tolerate, like, kind of not knowing what's going on with the plot mm-hmm. and just focus on Anakin's like fall to the dark side and not worry about any of the other stuff, then it's like better. Okay. But if you're somebody who like wants to know what's going on at all times, yeah. this would not be the edit for you. Uh, end of the day, I probably would agree. I would give it five identical boys. Yeah. Out of um, eight. Now, big question here. Yes. If you were to edit these two fan edits together. Sorry, if I was to edit the Star Wars fan edit and the Hobbit fan edit together? Yeah, to make... They don't have any characters in common. How would we make it cross over? Back to the dark side. Maybe I would have Anakin's fall to the dark side parallel Bilbo getting seduced by the ring. Okay, okay. That would be hard to pull off because there's only so many scenes of that in yeah, the Hobbit. Yeah. I feel like I might have to, you know, do like a... Like, 70 years later, and have him as, like, an old man, you know? But, like, I don't know how else you would do it. You'd have to do some real screwery, but I think that's, like, the most obvious parallel, so we'd have to do that. What you could also do, 
as I'm sure there's behind the scenes footage before they got rid of the green screens. Yes. You could easily like green screen in like Obi-Wan into the Hobbit <laughs> and like Gandalf into Star Wars. You could like easily just have like respond to scenes and stuff. You know who they do have in common? Christopher Lee. <gasps> make Saruman and Count Dooku this, like the same make character. It, make it his story. Make it his story. Focus on Christopher Lee because we all love Christopher Lee. Oh my God. The Dooku Saruman story. I yes, love that. That like, would be amazing. Where it like cuts to like 70 years later. And he's like got long hair. <laughs> and he's all like, I'm a hippie now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I became a wizard so I could get new hands. And now, I kind of want to do this. I don't. You want to do it? I kind of want to try. But All right. Like, well, let us know on Facebook or one of our other social media accounts if you would like us to make this edit and we will make it happen. We will make Varen Back to the Dark Side, the Count Dukumon story. Yeah. And it's going to be... It's going to rule. It's going to be lit. It's going to whip ass. Say. Good coverage, Joanna. If you like fan edits, check them out. If you have suggest a better fan edit than the ones we watched... Let us know! Let us know if there's another one out I'm there. Really, we'll totally watch it. I'm really interested in them. I think they're fun. I think they're kind of a, a creative thing. It's fun to kind of see what pieces of a story are necessary to tell it properly. Definitely. And they're also personal, too. I feel like there's no definitive fan edits because they're editing as, an, as a skill... You realize watching these fan edits and watching any movie, really, it's such a personal thing. Like, it is. There's so much like of the person editing it put into it. It's almost like as much of that person as it is of like the director or the writer, to be honest. Yep. Much love, Marsha Lucas. Much love, Marsha Lucas. We miss you. She's not dead. She just didn't work on the prequels. No. <laughs> and that would have been awesome if she did. Oh, but... she would have tightened those, those up real good. Yeah, she would have. All right. Well, now we're getting to a very important segment. It's our worst name challenge. You want to hear the theme song for us? All right. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Just do it. The, oh, yeah. The worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst name challenge. Oh, that's the song I love to hear. So last week we had the two names. We had the returning champion, Fatty Lumpkin. Yes. Tom Bombadil's pony. Two-time returning champion. Yeah. Facing off against, not Lewiski, Papa Noida, who is definitely not George Lucas Painted Blue. Beard and all. Beard and all. Yes. We saw him in this fan edit, and I pointed him out, and Joanna was excited to see. Although you couldn't see him that clearly. I would not have known it was him unless you pointed it out to Not Lewiski, Papa Noida. So the results are interesting. So if you just go by the individuals who voted. Yes. Like individual people. Like separate individual voters. And I made this, I split them up. Fatty and not Lewiski Papanoida. Yes. Have an equal number of votes. It is tied. They tied? We got another tie? But in this case, if you just go off the the sheer number of votes. Because some people voted in multiple polls. We posted on our Facebook. Which post. is fine. We don't mind that. No, and it shows that you're doing brand uh, interactions, which we appreciate. Like Brand engagement. It just shows you care. It shows you care. Thank you for loving us. Uh, in this case, Fatty only got eight votes. Yeah. Not Lewiski Papanoida. 13 votes. So the champion, the reigning victor of the last two weeks, Fatty Lumpkin, is beaten. However, he did such a good job, we're going to raise him into the rafters anyway. I think he's a champion at heart. I think he'd set a great example for this Worst Name Challenge going forward. We honor him for his service. Here he goes ascending. Can you put in music from, like, Angels in the Outfield? I'll put some heroic music in. Okay. Um, Or, like, Dragonheart. So, Joanna, not Lewiski Papanoida is moving forward this week. Do you have a challenger facing off this blue behemoth of, of bad nameage? Oh boy, do I. Okay, so you know Gimli. I know Gimli. You know how Gimli's dad is Gloin? I know Gloin. Do you know what Gloin's dad name is? Is it worse than Gloin? It is worse than Gloin. It is Groin. Oh my god. G-R-O-I-N Groin. Do they say it that way? Um, it's never said, so I don't know. Could it be like groin or something? Or? It, that still sounds like groin to me. 
really does. It really does. Still, it sounds like you said groin and then you hiccuped in the middle of it. Oh my god. Okay. So, so we are going to have for this week facing off against not Lewiski Papanoida, groin. There's no beating groin. I thought there was no beating Fatty Lumpkin, but somebody did. Oh my god, guys. Okay. Yeah. So please cast your vote on our Facebook. You can reach us at What's Lightsabers Precious on Facebook. We're going to post the poll there. It's also going to be on our Twitter, which is What Lightsabers. What Lightsabers, yes. Again, we can only fit so many characters in the name. <laughs> uh, it'll be but if you search us, you'll find if it. If you're friends with Joanne on Facebook, she'll post it probably on her page. And please, cast your vote. Is there going to be not Whiskey Papanoida or Groin? All right. You can also find us at our website, www.whatslightsabersprecious.com. You can email us at whatslightsabersprecious at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Rate us up. Or if you don't, if you've already rated us up, or you don't want to go on that dreaded Steve Jobs hive of scum and villainy, just tell a friend. Just tell a friend to watch it. Get a, well, watch it. You wouldn't be watching. Tell a friend to watch it. Have them, tell a friend to watch it. Put SoundCloud down in front of them. Have them stare at the bar. Get further to the right. They can even have it on mute, but just keep just watching watch the bar. That That's bar. our recommended experience, to be honest. Yeah, just tell someone. If they like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, let them know. This show's fun or interesting or it sucks and I hate it. You should listen to it and we can laugh at it together and make fun of all their inconsistencies and how terrible they are at delivering information. But yeah, that's uh, all we got for today. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. All uh, you uh, hop walks and e-bits out there. Bye. See ya. See ya.